right, the Bible says that once a man or a woman, boy or a girl, has accepted Jesus Christ into their life, that they can know for sure that they are saved, that Jesus Christ holds them in their hand, and that nothing can separate us from God. We can have assurance in that. Let's sing Blessed Assurance.
Good morning. Uh, my name is William Hines. As you can see in the bulletin, I'm going to give you a quick um, update on my mission trip a couple of weeks ago that I went to uh, Austria and uh, Slovakia with my wife, Kate. Um, the, the mission for the first half was a success. I was able to uh, meet with Joseph Gabor, uh, a national missionary over there. He was able to really um, open up my eyes to the ministries that he's doing there. He's been doing it for uh, well over 30 years. So the uh, different ministries that he's been involved with, it's, it's, it was very interesting to see the legacy that he's um, had with um, people from the very beginning, the ministries he's able to build and uh, grow and allow to flourish in a communist, well, post-communist nation. So right now, all my shooting's done. Now it's just time for me to basically write a script, um, get all the interviews that I had of him and his wife, his kids, some of the uh, people that were within the ministries of his radio ministries. He also has uh, university, college universities, uh, ministries. So it's just really trying to collect all those clips, all those interviews, and make a comprehensive story that he, in turn, can then give to churches around the United States. And that's really the, the goal of this, was to use my skills as a videographer um, to make a, a video about his ministries, about the years and experience that he's had on the mission field to try to raise um, support and also get word out there to the younger generation because a lot of his supporters are the older generation and they are um, disappearing. They don't, he doesn't have the connection with the younger generation um, that he had once 20, 30 years ago. So that kind of, <clears throat> that kind of hit home to me because uh, my, my wife and I, we don't really support uh, missionaries specifically. We just get to the church. So it really um, honed in of just the importance of individual um, donations to missionaries and how um, it is a huge stumbling block for them because for them to either try to raise support, they have to pay the money to come to the United States, get out of the mission field for six months to a year, and uh, go across the United States trying to uh, convince people about the ministry that they're doing. And I feel like this is an opportunity for me to utilize my skills to, so he doesn't have to come to the United States. I can go there. I can shoot the ministries that he's doing, talk to him about the history and his ministries, and then come back and then in turn um, tell the churches around the United States. So this is just the first step for me. My next step is now to make the video. So once that's done, um, we'll have a, a brief screening here. It's not going to be too long. I'll try to keep it under an hour or so. Um, but it's going to be a, probably about 10 minutes. So uh, thank you very much for your prayers and your support uh, for allowing me and my wife to go. It was, we definitely felt the, the Lord on us, and I, we definitely felt that the, the church was praying for us. We, we missed Olivia, but um, we were able to, to go on every day. Um, it was it was comforting to know that she was in capable hands here in the United States. So I thank you very much, and I'll give another brief uh, update once the video is done. Thank you, Will, for that uh, update. It's always great to see uh, individuals use the gifts and abilities that God has given them uh, to, to serve in missions and ministry, and we're thankful for the opportunity that they had. Look forward to see that video. As we continue in worship this morning, will you uh, bow for a word of prayer? Father God, we are so thankful that we have the opportunity as your family to meet here this morning. And Lord, we have just sung 
uh, sung songs that talked about uh, being blessed. And Father, we just want to pause and, and, and recognize the blessings this morning that you have, have lavished on us. And first and foremost, the, the blessing of the opportunity that we have to know you as our personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for that great blessing. Thank you that even though we were sinners, you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross to pay the price for our sins so that, that our sin could be paid for and that we could have an eternal relationship with you. Father, what a blessing that is. And, and because of that blessing, hopefully that, that impacts the way that we do life. Father, we're thankful for the blessing that you've given us in, in living in this great country of ours and, and for the freedom that we have to, to assemble here and, and, and just how you have provided for, uh, for our needs and our wants uh, beyond what we deserve. And Lord, so many times we go through our days and take all those blessings that you pour out on us and, and continue to pour out on us day after day for granted. And Lord, this morning we want to just pause and say thank you. Thank you for, for blessing us as individuals. Thank you for blessing us as a church, for, for bringing us together and allowing us to, uh, to have a ministry here in Elizabethtown. And Lord, we're, uh, we're thankful for all the, the different individuals who, who serve in this ministry and, and, and enable the ministry to happen here at Mount Calvary Church. And as, as pastors, as we think about that, we, uh, we feel so blessed for, for the involvement of so many giving their time and, and, their, and their talents to, to serve you. And, and Lord, we, we just thank you for that blessing. And Lord, again, we're, we're, we're thankful for the blessing of your word. We're thankful that not only do we live in a free country where we can gather here this morning and worship you, but we're thankful that we can open up your word this morning and be challenged from your word. And Lord, I pray that as Pastor Dick comes and, and, and opens up... Uh, your word and shares what you've laid on his heart, I pray that his words might be your words and that you might help him to share exactly the things that, that you want him to share and the things that we need to hear. And Lord, this morning I pray that, uh, that you'd be at work in our hearts, that you would eliminate the distractions and draw us closer to yourself. Father, as we sang in that one song that uh, sometimes you bless us even in ways that we don't recognize or want to recognize. And sometimes through difficulty, you, you enable us to go through difficult times to draw us closer to yourself and to, to mold and shape us into the individuals you desire us to be. And Lord, when, when those blessings come our way, help us to be thankful for even those difficult times. For we know that even in the midst of difficulty, you walk with us. You help us through those difficult times. You never abandon us or leave us alone. Father, as, as a ministry, we're thankful and blessed to have, have a missions family that is serving around the world this morning. We're thankful for the, the ministry that, that you've given all of our missionaries and pray that, uh, that this morning that you would bless them and encourage them, that you might use their ministries in mighty ways to, to make your name known in every area that you have them placed. Father, we pray for encouragement and strength and, and, and just help the, the ministry to go forward and, and, and use them in mighty ways. And Lord, even this morning, as, as I was given an update from the Buckners and how Alyssa has, has been not feeling well and have, having a lot of headaches and Ben and Nikki have been concerned, Lord, I pray that you would just be with Alyssa and just, to, uh, just take the headaches away from her and just be with Ben and Nikki and calm their hearts and, 
And Lord, continue to use them in a mighty way there in Papua New Guinea. Lord, we know that as we come here together this morning, there are many of us who have who aren't feeling well or have loved ones who aren't feeling well. And in, in our congregation, we have many, many who are, who are sick and going through difficult times. And Lord, we're thankful that you're at work in those situations. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to be encouragement to them. Lord, this morning, we especially think of Melanie Ellis, who is in the hospital in Illinois with, with kidney stones in both kidneys. And Lord, just pray that uh, you would just draw close to her, uh, just encourage her, just give the doctors wisdom as it's it's not her normal doctors, and, and Lord, I just pray that they would help to get these kidney stones under control and just uh, give her relief from pain and just, uh, just encourage her and draw close to her this morning. And Father, this morning, we, we just want to tell you that we love you, and we're thankful that we can be your children, and Lord, I pray this morning as, as we continue in worship that our focus will be on you. And our desire would not just to be to worship you here this morning, but as we leave these doors and go throughout our week, that we'd seek to worship you with our lives. As we interact with people in our neighborhoods and, and, and at our jobs, that Lord, that, uh, that we would continue to worship you by living for you and being a light for you wherever you take us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, I want to invite the kids to come forward, and we're going to have a, a kid's sermon. Pastor Dick said he was tired of you, so he uh, told me that uh, it was my job this morning. So if you're in, uh, uh, usually in junior church, and you're here with us this morning, it's your last Sunday, so come on down, have a seat here on the floor. There's some room over here and over here. All right. Well, hey, it is good to see all of you this morning. How are you guys doing? Are you doing good? Good. Hey, in, in July, do you remember there was this big athletic competition in July, at the end of July. Do you remember what that was? What was it? The Olympics. How many, how many of you here watched the Olympics this July? Do you guys have any favorite events from the Olympics? What are some favorite events? Gymnastics. Gymnastics. That's usually a favorite of the girls. They like the gymnastics. Yeah, you were? Cool. What's your favorite event? The running. The running, the track and field. That's, that's always a, a very fun event to watch. What was your favorite event? Basketball, the, uh, the dream team. Uh, how about in the back? What's your favorite event? Swimming. swimming. There's a lot of swimming. Oh, yeah, I like swimming. Yeah, swimming's pretty cool. What's your favorite event? Beach volleyball. Beach volleyball. Yeah, beach volleyball. That was a... Brain, what's your favorite? Soccer. So they were, the Olympics were this, like, two weeks of all of these competitions, right? And they had all different kinds of sports. And you just named a lot of different sports. And now, do you think that if you wanted to go to the Olympics that you could just decide one day, you know what, in four years I'm going to go to the Olympics? Do you think you could do that? No. You guys going to go to the Olympics in four years and do, be swimming or, or do no, gymnastics? You could, you could go to the stadium and watch them, right. But, uh, but what, would you, what would you have to do 
if you wanted to be in the Olympics? Tegan, what would you have to do? What? Practice. You would have to practice a lot, wouldn't you? You would have to practice and, and, and practice and practice and practice. And you know what? The people who are going to be at the Olympics in four years from now, they're probably already practicing. That's a lot of practice, isn't it? How many of you would get tired of practicing that? Yeah, that, that, would, that, would, that, would, get, that, that would get pretty, pretty tiring. Well, I want to share, I want to share two verses of scripture uh, from you from Hebrews 12. And I want to talk a little bit about this. And, and it kind of has Olympic theme. But in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know what? In, in the Olympics, those individuals like track and field, they run a race, right? And you know what? You have to practice a lot to get to be able to run that race. And, and, and you have to endure a lot of practice to run a race. You know what? And in a few Olympics ago in Barcelona, there was a runner by the name of Derek Redmond. And he was from, he was from, uh, he was from Britain. And he was running the 400, which is one lap around. And he was pretty good, and he was pretty excited. And, and, there, and there's a very, it's a very common video that you can watch, have your parents pull up sometime about Derek Redmond on YouTube. But, but about halfway through his race, you know what happened? He pulled a hamstring. He pulled up lame. Uh, he was limping, and it could hardly even walk. And all the runners continued and so all the medical professionals came out and tried to attend to him and told him, sit down, sit down, you're going to be all right. And you know what Derek did? He kept going. And you know what was even cooler? He kept going by himself for a, for a few feet. And then all of a sudden, this guy hops out of the stands and comes alongside him and walks arm in arm with him across the finish line. Do you know who that guy was? It was his dad. His dad his dad hopped, hopped the fence and he walked his son across the finish line and, and the, uh, the crowd was silenced until they crossed the finish line and they stood up and they clapped. And as I think about that story, it, it, you know, in Hebrews 12, it says that, we have a, that, that God has a race for us that he wants us to endure. God has chosen a direction that he wants us to go to our lives and sometimes some things happen that are hard, right? And when things happen that are hard, it's easy to give up. But God says he wants us to endure and push through. And even though when he puts obstacles in our way, he wants us to push through. And you know what I like about the story of Derek Redman and his dad? A lot of times when we face difficulties in our life, you know what happens? Our heavenly father, God, comes alongside us. He kind of picks us up and he helps us to continue on. He helps us to persevere and continue on. And you know what? We live in a world that says when things are tough, just quit. But you know what? Sometimes God puts tough things in our lives and he wants us to persevere and he wants us to teach us things through it. And so I just want to encourage you with that, that just like those in the Olympics, you've got to persevere through a lot of practice and sometimes things don't go exactly the way you want them to go. But God wants us to persevere and never give up and realize that he is there to help us. All right? And Pastor Dick's going to talk a little bit more about perseverance here in, in a little bit. But there are, some, there are some sheets up there that you can take. Thank you, boys and girls, for your attention. You can grab those sheets and have a seat.
Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, pay attention. Old things are passed away and all things are become new. Let's stand together and sing, I'm not the same.
take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of James. We have three more weeks in our study of the book of James, and uh, Pastor John will preach next week, and then I'll finish the series in two weeks. I want to mention to you that there is a financial report in your bulletin this morning, and uh, Brother Dave is sick, and uh, so he will not be here to give the report, but uh, the only thing I'll say about the report is we took in more money than we spent. That's always a good thing, isn't it? So uh, we took in more money, so uh, you can look at the report there. If you have any questions, um, you can see uh, Dave next week when he's back, but uh, keep him in prayer so he's not feeling well this morning. James chapter 5, we're going to read verses 7 through 12 this morning. James chapter 5. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job, and you have seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful." But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. Let's pray this morning and then we'll look at this portion. Father in heaven, Lord, we are again thankful for the precious word of God that comforts us and encourages us, convicts us. Lord, it gives us daily guidance, Lord, but most of all, Lord, from beginning to end, Father, it talks about Jesus Christ and his coming to earth and dying on the cross so that we might have eternal life and so that we might be able to spend eternity with you in heaven. Lord, I, I pray today that you would help us as we look at this portion, Lord, in the book of James, that it would help us in this area of patience, Lord. I know it's certainly something that I struggle with, and Father, I pray today that you might help us all to be patient, even as the scripture says, until you return. Father, again, we just uh, want to thank you for answered prayer. We thank you for how you answered prayer this week in, in the life of little Lydia Jones, that they were finally able to, to find out that these were seizures, and Lord, they were able to get her on the medication. And uh, Father, thank you for that, and uh, just pray you continue to be with Nathan and Anna and uh, Lord, little Shelly, and Lord, their whole family as they've gone through a very traumatic several weeks here, that you might just, uh, Lord, continue to be with them. So Father, again, speak to us through your word today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Cueing was a term that I probably was not aware of until this week uh, when I heard, was listening to a radio station out of Philly that I listen to sometimes, and it fit in real good with my message this morning. And it was talking about the cueing that went on at the Houston airport. 
And what, what seemed to be happening is that the Houston airport, they were getting a lot of complaints about how long it took for people to get their baggage. And uh, people were waiting sometimes 10 to 12 minutes to get their baggage. And so uh, what they decided to do was they wanted to deal with this. So the airline thought, what we'll do is we'll hire some more people. And so they hired some more people and cut the time down to eight minutes. So from when you got off the plane to for you to pick up your baggage and walk out of the airports, it took eight minutes to do that there in Houston. But the thing they noticed, even though they had cut the time, the complaining was no less. People were complaining just as much. So they brought in one of these queuing teams, they call them, and they studied. Queuing is a mathematical term for studying, standing in line. And uh, so they began to study, and how would they improve this? So what they did, they came up with this decision. They thought, what we'll do is we'll have the airplanes park at the far gates further out, so they didn't use the, the nearer gates to the terminal. They had the airplanes parked further out. And then what they did was they decided they would not use the first two uh, luggage um, carousels. They would use the ones that were the farthest part of the baggage pickup area. So from the moment you got off your plane, it took you about eight minutes to walk from your plane to the baggage area where you immediately could pick up your luggage and walk out the door, and they had no complaints whatsoever. The timing was exactly the same. It still took eight minutes, but people did not have to do what? They did not have to stand in line. People hate standing in line. We spend, as Americans, 37 billion hours as Americans standing in line. I have to admit, I hate standing in line. I hate being in traffic. Friday nights going through Lancaster, there are always, Friday nights, there's always more traffic going through Lancaster. And so I know exactly where I can cut to the side streets and can, you know, not have to travel the main road through Lancaster. So... I don't have to stop. And I had done this quite often. And one day I thought, you know what? Just for the heck of it, I'm going to time myself how long if I stay on the same street versus cutting down these side streets and going. And you know, I was about five seconds shorter. To me, the five seconds is worth it. But really, literally, it made no difference. But I felt so much better about myself because I was what? I was moving. I don't like to stand still. I am not a patient person. I said, that's why I'm not a fisherman, because I hate, I just can't stand throwing my line in and just waiting. Drives me crazy. If it was one of those things where you would throw your line in and the fish bite immediately, I would feel good. That's why I don't fish. And so I, I am not. So it, it's funny that I ended up with this message this morning. Um, it's It's interesting. Just some, a series of questions that I want to ask you today, and we'll, we'll put them up there. They're in your uh, outline, but let me go through those, and you think about them this morning. Do you buy things before you have the money to pay for them? Do you buy things before you have the money to pay for them? Is your primary concern to remove a problem or to see God's purpose and allowing it to exist in the first place. 
When you go through things, you just say, God, get me through this. Just get me out of this problem. Take this problem away, God. Do those around you avoid you when you're going through a difficult situation? Things aren't going well, so you get sort of miserable. Are projects more important to you than people? Do you experience inward pressure when your plans do not work out? And I have to admit, happened to me this morning. I thought something was going to be done this morning when I got here. I walked in and I thought something was going to be someplace and it was not there. And I have to admit, as soon as I walked in and I saw what wasn't there, inside I got what? Irritated. I'll admit it, I got irritated because what it, it wasn't there and I, it was supposed to be there. And I, right away, you know, I thought, oh man, this is, this, now I got to go do all this. And in my heart, I felt very impatient. And immediately I thought, man, whose fault is this? Wait till I get that Vicky. Some of them want to give her a raise. I'm going to take money away from her. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, we, get, we do that, don't we? We get impatient when things aren't well, how we think they should be, when they don't work out the way we want. Are you willing to go through the training and experience required to become more proficient in your responsibilities? All of these questions have to, deal, to do with this word, patience, being patient. When we think of the word patient, let me give you some definitions for that word. So as we get into the text this morning, we'll understand what we're talking about as we go into our text. Patience is learning how to wait to fulfill a personal goal. It's learning how to wait to fulfill a personal goal without getting angry. Whenever we find ourselves getting angry because something's not going the way we want, it's really showing us that what? That we're not being patient. Secondly, patience. Here's another definition. It's increasing the time you can wait between achievement and reward. That's called patience. When you do something and you have to wait. And then thirdly, it's learning to accept difficult situations as from God without giving him a deadline to remove them. As we go through things in life, it's not saying, God, let me, come on, God, get this out of my life. God, I don't like this difficult situation. I don't like it, God, that I don't have a job right now. I don't like it that I'm having this sickness right now. I don't like it that I'm feeling this way. God, I just want you to remove it and remove it when? Now. I don't want to wait, God. James here in this portion of Scripture, he is addressing some Christians who are going through persecution. Again, when Pastor John set the, the uh, table for us back all the way in, J in James chapter 1, and uh, he preached that very first message, he reminded us that James is writing to Christians who are going through difficulties, who are going through some difficult times, or going through persecution, going through suffering in their life. And so he's still addressing that same crowd when we're here in chapter 5. And he reminds them, 
God is not going to right all the wrongs in this world until Jesus returns. So we as believers, he's saying, we need to endure patiently. We need to endure until Jesus returns, until he comes. In fact, it says over in the book of Romans that all of nature is groaning. We don't hear it, but it says the rocks. It says nature itself is groaning for the return of the Lord in a sense to set this world right. And sometimes even in living life, I'm saying, God, come on, just return today and, and set this world right. Make it right. And this scripture reminds us, he reminds us three different times to be patient. He reminds us three times, James says, we must patiently endure. We must patiently wait until the coming of the Lord. Now, we don't know when the Lord's going to return. The Bible says no man knows the hour. We know someday that Jesus is going to return and we're going to go to be with him and he's going to come here and he's going to set up his kingdom here on earth. And then the Bible goes on to talk about that someday he's even going to destroy this present heaven and earth and set up a brand new one. We'll, we'll rule and reign with him for eternity. So it's exciting, you know, thinking about what's going to happen. But he's reminding these Christians they need to be patient. And he's going to give them three examples. He's going to give us three things to help us to learn to be patient. Three examples for us to look at this morning as we deal with this area of patience. Now, it's not in the notes, nowhere, but I want to remind you this this morning before we look at these three things. The Bible says in the book of Galatians and in 1 Corinthians, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, what? Peace, long-suffering. Or another word for that is what? Patience. So, let me tell you right off the bat, you and your own self cannot be patient. Let me say it again. You and yourself cannot be patient. It is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a work of the Holy Spirit within you. And so when I die to self and I ask the Holy Spirit to control me and to live through me and I'm controlled by the Spirit of God, I will then be patient. You want to ask me how I know real quick that I'm walking in the flesh? I'll tell you how. When I'm not patient, I know that Dick Vaughn is walking in the flesh. You say, are you telling me that this morning that you walked in the flesh? I'm telling you that from the moment when I got out of my car and got upstairs and got in here and saw that what wasn't in the lobby that I thought should have been there, I was in the flesh in the lobby today. (gasps) Yeah, I was. And you know how long it took me to realize that? Not real long. And so what did I have to do? I had to say what? I had to ask God to forgive me for being in the flesh and say, Holy Spirit, please take control. And so I have to keep reminding myself that. I have to keep dying to self daily, and, and not just daily, but throughout the day, and, and asking the Holy Spirit to take control so that I can have that patience I need to have. So th- this work of being patient is really the work of the Holy Spirit working through us. It's like in of ourselves, we can't be joyous. We can't have love. All of those things are really works of the Spirit of God through us. God didn't expect you to live this Christian life 
on your own. God knew that you would be a failure, just like you can't get to heaven on your own. You can't get to heaven by your own works. It's by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. The only way that you can simply live the Christian life is by allowing the Spirit of God to do it for you. You'll never be successful yourself when you die to yourself and you, your wants and your desires and you allow the Holy Spirit to live through you, you then will be a victorious Christian. So how, what is it? It's allowing the Holy Spirit to live through me. So let's see how we can do that. Let's see how we can, um, when we allow the Holy Spirit to live through us, how we can be that patient person and we can live out these examples that he gives us. And so the first example he gives us is in verses 7 through 9 there. He says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. So the first example he gives us is the farmer. He says the farmer plants the seed, and then he does what? He waits. He has to sit back and wait. Now, again, back in biblical times, the farmer didn't have irrigation systems like we do today. We put that nice, I saw it this morning. We, we came in here today, and I saw our irrigation system, you know, putting out water all over our field. So we can plant grass, and within a matter of a few weeks, we have grass because we have water. In biblical times, they didn't have that. So what did they have to do? They had to wait for what? For rain, for God to send the rain. They had to wait for, the, the it says, the early rains and the latter rains. And uh, so there was the soft soil that they planted in the autumn, and, and, and there were those rains that came, and then there was the latter rains that came in February and March. And, and so they would help. So there was two, these two rainy seasons in Israel, and that's what they're talking about here, that the, the farmer plants the seed. And, and, you know, he really even can't depend on himself in a sense of the soil being soft. He has to depend on God to make the soil soft so he can plant it. And then once he plants it, he has to depend on God to what? Make this, the, to keep watering the seed. So he has to depend on God. He has to wait patiently for God to do those things. And so he, he's saying, listen, just like the farmer waits patiently, we must do the same thing. And why could the farmer wait? Why could he wait? Look at that word that he says. He waits for the precious fruit. He waits. He, he's thinking about while he's waiting, he's thinking about, man, I can't wait until that what? Until that corn grows, until I can take that ear of corn and I can put butter all over it and what? Eat it. And so when he plants that seed, he's thinking, man, I can't wait to what? Eat that corn. I can't wait to be able to pick that fruit and be able to eat those peaches that when you bite into it, the, water, the peach juice just goes all over you. Man, I can't wait for that, he's saying. I'm thinking about that while I'm waiting so the farmer has to what? He has to simply wait patiently for God to do his work. And as we go through life, whether it's waiting for God and healing or whether it's waiting for God for a job or whatever it's waiting that you're going through, it just means I'm waiting for the sovereign God to do this work in my life. Now, the farmer has to do what? He has to be the one who plants the seed and who works the soil and does all those things. It doesn't mean we just sit back. It doesn't mean I don't pray. 
It doesn't mean that I don't, you know, some people say, well, listen, you know, I think I, I need a job and I'm just going to pray about it and I know that God will, you know, send me a job. No, what do you do? You go out and look for a job and you go out and knock on doors and you get on your computer and you do all those things and you pray about it. You just don't sit at home. So there, there's our part, just like that there was the farmer's part, but God says, you know, once you've done your part, you need to learn to be what? Patient and allow God, the sovereign God, to do his part. And so, so James is saying to us here, you know, you also, in verse 8, you also, be like the farmer, be patient, establish your heart, you know, allow God, do the work that you need to do, study God's word, pray, do all those things so God can do a work in your life. That's what he's telling us here, that you need to be just like the farmer so that we can see the growth of God in our life. And then he gives us the example of the prophet in verses 10 and 12, he says there, look what he says. Um, My brethren, take the prophet who spoke in the name of the Lord. And let, me, let me back up. I skipped over, I'm sorry, I skipped over verse 8. I'm going to go back and pick the, or verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. He says, in the midst of your patience, you know what? Don't use that when you become impatient. Don't grumble against your brothers and sisters. Don't, you know, when you're going through difficulties, don't make them feel bad also. And, uh, you know, it reminds me of the farmer who, who helps each other. They don't attack each other. I, I, we live in Amish country here, and you watch, and the Amish farmers will come along each other, and they'll not grumble at each other. What will they do? They'll come along and help each other. And so what are we supposed to do? As, as we're going through difficulties, I'm to come alongside of you, and I'm to what? I'm to encourage you. I'm to help you. So when you see a brother or sister going through something, you see them going through difficulties, then it's our job to do what? To come alongside and encourage them and help them. And that's what he's saying. Don't grumble. Don't complain. Come alongside. Help those. Don't condemn them. Go alongside and, and help them. Encourage them. Don't judge them. And then he goes on to say, here's another example. Here's the prophet who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Keep your hands in, or your finger there in James. and Go back to the book of Matthew with me. Take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 5. And here he talks in Matthew about a prophet. Many of the prophets live this portion of scripture here. Verse 10. Blessed. James chapter 5, blessed, or we, we last year, a year ago, we did a series through this portion of scripture. The word blessed means happy. Happy are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name or for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who went before you or who were before you. And so here Matthew is writing and reminding us, you know, the prophets, they went through all kinds of difficulties. They went through all kinds of persecution and trial and tribulation. 
and yet they didn't complain, they didn't grumble. Um, they did what? They looked to God, they were patient. Um, they were in the will of God and they suffered. And let me remind you of this this morning. Being in the will of God doesn't mean that we're not going to go through trials and tribulation. Being in the will of God doesn't mean that we're not going to suffer. In fact, often, being right in the center of God's will will take us right through suffering and tribulation in our life. And think of the prophets. Think of Elijah. He ended up going into hiding for his life. How about Jeremiah? He was arrested and thrown in a, a, a well to die. How about Daniel? We know him. He ended up where? In the lion's den. Um, all of these men, patience and time of suffering is a testimony to others around us. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these three Hebrew boys who were uh, taken and, and again went through a time of suffering for what? Because they stood for righteousness. And as we live in this land and we stand for righteousness, we're going to go through some times of trial and tribulation and turmoil. When you stand for righteousness, you're going to sometimes suffer. There are Christians all around the world, we don't know a whole lot about it here in America, but Christians all around the world who suffer for righteousness' sake. And when we go through that, he's saying, listen, be patient, wait for God to work in your life. And then the last example he gives us here is one that we're familiar with. He says, in verse 11, Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job. And each time he uses this word patient, he talks about the farmer being patient. He talks about the prophet being patient. And finally, then he talks about Job being patient. And here, same type of Greek word, but it's a stronger. He gets stronger each time. And he says the perseverance of Job, the endurance of Job. And... Uh, he said, there is a blessing if you will endure. Now, we don't have the whole, the, a lot of time this morning, but we go back and we look at Job, and we remember that story, and uh, we think of Job's distress. And in just a matter of hours, Job lost all of his wealth and all of his children. And you remember that story of how um, the, the, the um, Couriers kept coming to him and saying, Job, you know, your kids are all gone and you've lost this and you've lost that and, and you've lost this. And, and even finally his wife says, you know, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? And then Job's body gets full of boils. And then all of a sudden Job has three friends who show up to comfort him. And uh, they don't say a whole lot. They just, when they show up, they just what? For days they just sit and they stare at him. And that's really great comfort, isn't it? You know, think of somebody who's in the hospital and you go to visit them and you sit down in the bed next to them and you just look at them for an hour or two. They're going to feel pretty what? Uncomfortable. In fact, they might even ask you to leave. But that's what Job's friends did. They just sort of looked at him. They didn't speak. And so, you know, and then we have that in one through three, we have his distress and then his defense. And where he, when they finally speak, he begins to debate with them. And uh, he begins to, to, to share with them. And, and when we have this debate that's going back and forth, and immediately when they finally speak, they say to Job, Job, what sin is in your life? That's really comforting, isn't it? 
Come on, Job, the only reason you're going through this is because you have sin in your life. You know that God wouldn't take you through this and God wouldn't take away your family and he wouldn't, you know, give you all these boils and he wouldn't, you know, cause all these things to happen to you unless you had sin in your life. So why don't you just confess your sin, Job? As soon as you confess your sin, I'm sure that God will deliver you and things will be really great. That's really comforting, isn't it? And so we have that. You know, as I read the book of Job, I have, to, I have to tell you, as I read through that book, I'm waiting for God to say, okay, Job, here's the reason. Let me just spell it out for you. Let me just tell you, Job, why you've gone through this. Let me tell you why you've lost all your children. Let me tell you why you've been so sick. Let me tell you why, you know, all of these things have happened. And so I, I get all excited when I finally get to about Job 38, and God finally speaks. I'm thinking, wow, God is finally going to lay this all out. He's going to explain it to us. And then God gives us a nature lesson. God says to us, well, Job, let me just tell you, who causes the sun to rise and who causes the moon to shine and who causes the the bear to be able to have cubs? And, And he goes through all these things about nature and who causes the rain to fall and who causes the snow And and he goes through all this, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't know about you, but when I read through Job, I get to this and say, God, what are you talking about here? Job just wants to know what? Why? Come on, God, explain to me why. Give me the reason, God. Tell me why. And God never does. God never explains it to him. And so what is the whole thing? He's saying, listen, Job, If you can trust me to do all of these things, if you can trust me to do these things, you're going to just have to trust that I'm in control. And you know, you read the whole book of Job, and God never explains himself. He just simply says, Job, trust me. And you know, one of the things about patience is this. As we go through difficulties in our life, and we go through trials in our life, whether they're physical, whether they're emotional, whether they're spiritual, it really comes back to this. You're probably this side of heaven, you're not going to know why. You're not going to know why you lost that job. You're not going to know why maybe you lost that child. You're not going to know why maybe you went through this difficulty at work. You're not going to know why maybe you even went through this difficulty in your marriage. You're not going to know those things, but listen to me. Listen to me, it's this. God's wanting this. God's wanting you to know that I am sovereign. I am control. I am doing a work in your life, and you need to trust me. Doesn't mean we don't pray. Doesn't mean we don't do the things that we need to do. But God sometimes allows these things in my life because this, he's saying this, I'm in control. I am a sovereign God who is working a perfect plan in your life. And you might not understand it now, but when you get to heaven, you will understand it. That's what he's saying. And that's what, the, that's what the prophet, he's saying, look to Job. You know, in, in all of that, Job never cursed God. Job never turned his back on God. Job had that patience. And that's why we talk about the patience of Job. And so that's why he tells us, listen, 
I want, to, I want you, when you go through those difficulties in your life, I want you to look to Job. And he had to learn that same lesson that you do, that God is a sovereign God who is in control of everything. You know, it, it, it's like the illustration I heard one time of the, the little boy who was sitting on the floor and his grandmother was doing some needlework. And he looked up and he said, Grandma, that's really ugly. And she said, what do you mean? He said, well, I, it's really ugly. What are you doing? And she says, well, I'm making a beautiful picture. And she said, and the little boy said, no, you're not. It's ugly. And then she thought about it for a minute. And she picked her little grandson up and set him up on her lap. And he looked down on the picture. And he said, wow, Grandma, look, it is beautiful. Because see, when he was on the floor, all he could see was the underneath of that needlework. And on the underneath of the needlework, it's what? It's all the loose ends hanging and so when you're looking up underneath, sometimes it looks what? It looks ugly. It looks pretty. Man, what are you doing here, God? It doesn't look too God. It doesn't look too good until someday when God picks us up and takes us to heaven and we look back and we look down, we're going to say, oh, wow, God, I get it. I know what you were doing in my life then. I understand it totally. I understand now, God. I understand why I went through that difficulty. I understand why this was in my life. You were doing a perfect work. You were making a beautiful picture. And sometimes it's just a matter of being patient and allowing God to do that work. And in the midst of that, you know, verse 12, as we're going through here, it, it almost seems like, where does vi verse 12 fit in here? You know, we're, we're, you know, it just almost seems like, you know, James took this verse and just stuck it in here about talking, about, but, all, but above all, but he says, you know, above all these things, while you're going through these trials and tribulation, while you're learning to be patient, he says, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with an other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. Because here's what, here's what God understands about us. He knows that sometimes we just want to get through things, and so in the midst of going through something, you know what we'll do? We'll say, God, you know what, God? If you just get me through this, I'll do this. Have you ever done that? Have you ever said to God, God, if you'll just get me through this, I promise for now on I'll do this. And that's what he's saying he wants you to be careful of. He wants you to be careful of those things. And there's a great example in the Old Testament of that, of a man who spoke when he shouldn't have. He should have waited. And we're not going to turn there this morning, but if we had the time, we would go back to Judges, and you might want to do that this week, and read Judges chapter 11. It's the story of Japheth. And Japheth was in the middle of a very difficult situation in his life, and he said this, God, if you'll just get me through this, when I get home, the first thing that comes out of my door, I'm going to give it to you, God. It'll be all yours. If you'll just get me through this, if you'll just help me, if you'll just take this away from me. And so what was he doing? He was bargaining with God. And sometimes in the midst of trials and tribulation, we might not curse God, but we want to do a little bargaining with God. Just get me through it, God. And I'll tell you what, if you get me through this, God, I'll tell you what, I'll be at church every Sunday for the rest of my life. Or God, if you just get me through this sickness, I promise you for, for now on, and you just fill in the blank, I'll do this. God, 
if you'll just heal my child and you won't take them from me. God, I promise I'll do this. And so many times in going through difficulties, we'll make promises and then we don't keep them. And so Japheth made that promise to God and when he got back to his home, as he came up to his home, the first thing that came out of his front door of his home was his daughter. And basically we had said, God, the first thing that walks out my door, I'll sacrifice it to you. That's what he told God. I'll sacrifice it to you, God. Now, students of the Bible have debated that portion of Scripture for a long time. What really happened to Japheth's daughter? Did he actually kill her? Did he sacrifice her? I, I tend not to be on that side. I tend to be over on this side where I believe that he gave her as a servant, a temple servant for the rest of her life, which would mean she would serve in the temple the rest of her life and that she would never be married and she would never be able to have children. She would never bear children. She, the rest of her life, would be in the temple serving. So he lost that opportunity to have grandchildren. He lost that opportunity because when she served in the temple, he wouldn't have that close relationship with her anymore. I believe that's what happened. I don't believe that he killed her. But see, in that moment of wanting, in that moment of desiring just to get out of the trial and tribulation he was going through, he made a rash statement and his words did not show patience and he ended up paying for it. And so really, this verse makes a whole lot of sense when we put it in the context of suffering. When you're going through trials and when you're going through tribulation, be careful. Part of patience is what you say. True patience is often seen not only in our actions, but it's also seen in our words. So it's better for us to say what? Nothing than to say something that we can't keep. And that's what these verses say. And let your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes unless you fall into judgment. And so be careful as you're going through things in this life that you don't make rash statements to God. Be careful as you're going through some very difficult things that you don't curse God. Because remember this, God is working a perfect plan in your life. If you believe that God is sovereign, that means God is in total control of everything. That means that everything that you go through in your life, there is a plan and a purpose from God. And so how do we need to go through it? We need to go through it patiently. How do we go through it patiently? By dying to self and allowing the Holy Spirit to live through us. That's what God is asking us to do. Let's pray this morning. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you slipped into our services today and you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If today was the last day for you to live on this earth, you're not sure where you would spend eternity. Well, the great news is this, is that God loves you so much that he did not want you to die and be separated from him for eternity in a place the Bible calls hell. His desire was this. His desire was for you to come to know him. So he did something. 
he did something about the problem that we all have. It's called the sin problem. We're born sinner, separated from God. And we can't do anything about that sin problem ourselves. If we die in that sinful state, we will spend eternity separated from God. So God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to live for 33 short years and then to die on the cross. And when he died on that cross, he was dying for your sin, for my sin, for all of our sin. And the Bible says they, after he had died, they took him, they buried him, and three days later he arose victorious over sin and death. He went to heaven to be an advocate for you and me so that all we had to do was to come to that point in our life and to admit that we're a sinner and admit that because of our sin we're separated from God and come to that point and cry out and say, God, I'm a sinner. I believe that. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. You were buried and you rose again for me. And God, I'm trusting in that to take me to heaven. That's how simple it is. And if you're here this morning, you're not sure you're going to heaven. That's how simple. All you have to do is put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, death, his burial, and his resurrection. So if you're here, maybe you want to pray a prayer this morning. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's the belief. You, you could pray something like this and mean it and say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe that you were buried for me. I'm putting my faith and trust in that to take me to heaven. If you would do that, at this moment, you would be on your way to heaven. You say, Dick, it sounds too simple. God made it simple so that everyone could do it. But it's a choice that you have to make. And right there where you are today, maybe you want to make that choice and invite Jesus Christ to be your Savior, to put your faith and trust in him. If you do that, let Pastor John or myself know as you slip out the door this morning. We'd love to pray for you, and we'll celebrate with you. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you that, Lord, it speaks to our heart and helps help us, Lord, every one of us in this room, every one of us in this auditorium this morning. We're going to go through trials. We're going to go through difficulties. We're going to go through tribulation. It could be as simple as sitting in traffic. It could be as difficult as having someone that we care about slip out into eternity. Lord, there are so many varied things that we go through throughout life. And Lord, yet you've called us to be patient, to trust in your sovereignty as we go through those difficulties, to know that you are working a perfect and glorious plan in each of our lives. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Stand as we sing and celebrate this morning, and then we'll be dismissed.